Amen. Well, I can already tell that I may not get through the whole thing, but the Lord assured me that that would be okay, and so we're going to trust that. I am honored. I was just telling the Lord as we were worshiping, I just said, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to share something that is so dear to your heart and so special, and he instantly spoke right back to me, and he said, thank you for being willing to share it and be vulnerable, and I thought, oh, thank you, Lord, like I needed that, you know, I needed that sweet little kiss from the Lord, and it was just, it was just great, so probably half the church wasn't here last week, I would guess, if you missed last week, I'm going to do a little brief um, summary of what happened. But those who, who were here, give me a show of hands if you used your little um, declaration thing. Did you guys practice that and use that? Uh, who paid attention to what was coming out of their mouth more? Yeah? Yes? Okay, great. For those of you who are lost... Last week, I spoke a message on the power of words, and, um, and I shared my struggle with the teaching on the power of words and how I just kind of had an issue with it. And um, Proverbs, you can go ahead and put that on the screen, Proverbs 18.21 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Well, for years, I didn't love it. I didn't love the message. If you want to listen to that, you can, you can listen to it. But I was also eating the fruit of that. I was eating the fruit of not loving and understanding the power of our words. And um, um, I, yeah, lost that thought. So whatever, it's gone. So um, <laughs> we also learned, based on Luke uh, 6 and 45, we're just going to hit the last little sentence, which says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so, so basically, this is, this is the thing, is that out of, out of the abundance of our heart is what comes out of our mouths. And so if what is coming out of our mouths is, like I have this object lesson up here. Isn't this cute? I made this a heart. And this is a talk bubble. I need some. Okay. So my right brain is like exploding these days. I'm like getting super creative. I love it. So, so, so this is basically the principle of what we learned last week is that our mouth is a gauge. It is a measuring stick. It measures what is already in our hearts because out of the abundance of what is in our heart is what comes out of our mouth. And so, um, so based on life experiences is what decides what is in your heart. You experience a lot of trauma in your life. If you experienced neglect, if you experienced overt abuse, you know, it writes things on our heart, like little lies, little pockets of misunderstanding about who we are, and that becomes written on our heart, and I have different examples here, so the black is the bad beliefs, and the red is the good beliefs, this is the blood of Jesus, okay, so our heart is full of all these just different belief systems, and, and it, it's a mixture, you know, you know how it is, it's like sometimes we, like, I know I'm loved by God, but man, I just feel so unworthy. You know what I'm saying? How can I believe two truths at the same time? And this is why. So in our heart, um, maybe there, there's a belief system that I can't trust anyone. And that probably came from an experience of someone not being trustworthy. You know, your parents didn't protect you. Or, you know, something happened. Someone violated you. Whatever it is, that gets written on our heart. We make this decision. I can't trust anyone. They're going to let me down. And so there are other different, you know, belief systems. I am powerless. No one protected me. I must protect myself. Judgment, jealousy. We're going to talk about shame more in depth in just a minute. But based on those different belief systems is kind of what happens 
it, it is the driving force of what comes out of our mouth. And so we can talk about this over here. These are the things that can, can come out of our mouth. Defensiveness. Okay, it's confession time here. How many of you guys are like, yeah, I'm kind of defensive. When I, especially when somebody's coming at me. I mean, it's, it's, I deserve to protect myself. So defensiveness, especially with your spouse. Um, foul language is... <laughs> It's so true, like so true. Um, so defensiveness. Okay, so if defensiveness is something that comes out of your mouth, what is in your heart that causes you to need to be defensive? I'm powerless. Great. Um, and it can be any of them. I can't trust anyone. Um, no one protected me, so I must protect myself. Do you see how they're all connected? So whatever's coming out of your mouth is being driven by what is already in your heart. And so you can take what is coming out of your mouth as a measuring device to decide what is in your heart. Let's talk about lying for a minute. Lying is, you know, most of us are just like, oh, that's just so disgusting. Like, I just can't stand a liar. Like, where there's a liar, there's a thief. You guys heard all that st stupid word curses that we speak over people? And lying is just something that we just consider to be incredibly ugly. And, but, but listen, what drives someone to lie? What is in their heart? Fear. I forgot to write that one. Fear is in their heart. And where's Christy? Here we go. So um, fear is driven by shame, okay? In fact, shame has a, a wedge in basically every lie that we believe. Shame is the, belief, is the belief that I am uniquely flawed, that there's something just epically wrong with me. And um, everyone has shame. Everyone has a measure of shame. And if you say that you don't have it, then you're a sociopath. So, <laughs> like, really. Like, you either have shame or you have no feelings whatsoever. And so, um, so shame is the belief that I am uniquely flawed. And shame entrenches, it's like it, I, I don't even know how to make it visual on here, but it's almost like it just pukes on all of these. Okay? You like that? It, it pukes on all of these, and it holds them all in place because shame's best friend is secrecy, okay? Shame's best friend is you hide it, you don't talk about it, you keep it a secret, you keep it covered up, you keep it completely just, you just don't talk about it. We don't talk about our problems, we don't air our dirty laundry, we don't do any of that. We don't talk about it. And so shame actually holds down this powerless. It holds down that I can't trust anyone. No one protects me. It actually like keeps us from getting rid of it because, because if we say it out loud, it's like it, it, there's just this weird belief system, okay? So we're going to put up, I hope this is the right one that's next. And what, what is the next scripture I told you to put up? I didn't. Hold on. There's one in James. I got off script. Give me James 5 something. That one. Okay. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There are two times in Scripture when God says to confess our sin. Um, conf in 1 John 1, 9, I think it's um, confess your sins so that you may be healed. Um, so, what, and we learned this last week, but I didn't quite touch on shame and how it, how it affects that. What we learned last week is that, that the Bible says that when we confess our sin, it heals us. When we confess what is in our heart, it heals what's in our heart. Because last week's message was all about how we've got to change what comes out of our mouth. You know what I'm saying? We've got to change what comes out of our mouth because when we speak, we partner with either faith or fear. 
So if you are constantly being defensive or constantly using foul language or lying or whatever, you're partnering with the kingdom of darkness. And we're like, we got to stop that. We know that. Okay, well, how do you stop it? Well, you can't just change what you say. Because if you only change what you say, you still have all this yuck in your heart. Okay? But the Bible is so stinking cool, and God is so cool, that he said that the same thing that can, that can change your path can also heal your heart. Because he said that if you confess your sin to one another, that you may be healed. So the confession of your sin, the confession of the ugly that is in your heart, is the very thing that heals you and gets it out of your heart. It's confessing it. Lord, I, I have been, I've been powerless. So I go to Tina. Tina, I, I have been powerless in my life, and it is, I, I, I don't want it anymore. And I am just confessing to you that I've been in sin, and I want it gone. Pray for me. That, when you partner with faith, it, it erases that thing, and it's no longer in our hearts. And we can then replace that truth with those godly beliefs that I gave you last week. And if you weren't here, then I'll send out an email or something because I don't, I don't think I did it twice. And so, um, but here is the thing, is that that shame does not want us to confess our sins to one another. Why would I want to show you my ugly why would I want to show you how ugly I am? I, I have to keep it a secret. I have to hide it. Why would I want to confess it to you? And that is the very thing that lies to us. And, and I just believe that God right now is just wanting us to just break free from that. To be like, you know what? I'm going to be vulnerable. I am going to choose to confess my sin because that's what God says. I'm going to choose to be real. The other night when Andrea preached Sunday night, it was so good. All of us at the end, we shared, everybody gave a testimony of the ugly that we were in when Jesus found us. And I'm telling you the hope that was in that room, the level of empathy that was there was amazing. It was amazing. We just shared, where was I when Jesus found me? Well, I was, I was a drug addicted, you know, some, living a homosexual lifestyle. I'd had two abortions. I, that's where I was when Jesus found me. Well, you know what? Nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to hear that sometimes because it makes you uncomfortable. Ooh, your ugly makes me uncomfortable. Well, you know what? That's not the kingdom of heaven. That is not the kingdom of heaven for our ugly to be uncomfortable to each other. Because the Bible says that we are to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. We've got to be a safe place to be able to come to be like, hey, here's my ugly. Help me. Help me. Pray for me. Let's get rid of this. I don't want it anymore. And when we do that, so we can get rid of this shame and this belief that I am uniquely flawed. Because when we believe that, when we believe a lie that I am flawed, I am so epically flawed that I can't even do anything, then it chases us down and it says you're never going to be anything. And who do you think you are trying to be something in the first place? That shame holds us down. Shame is the very thing that keeps us. It keeps us from confessing our sin and it keeps us from going after anything good. It's like it just holds us in and, and binds us up and, and super glues us to this place where we're just like, like, bleh. And it's just terrible. And so anyway, so we've got to go through this process of, of getting rid of that, confessing it. You know, like, I have shame, guys. I'm ashamed of things in my life. Sometimes I don't think I can do it. Sometimes <clears throat> things come out of my mouth that I'm like, ugh. Why did I say that? Why do I believe that? Why am I giving up hope right now? You know? And it's because that is the measuring stick. That is the gauge to tell us what is in our heart. It's like, you know, you know, here's the other thing too, is that, that shame is such a sneaky little stinker. Is that, is that, let's say you say something and you just rip your husband a new one, right? Okay, so, and you're just like, rah, 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 all this stuff. A few flowery words and some sentence enhancers. Let's say it happens, okay? 
Well, shame was the driver of that engine in the first place, right? Because um, I, I'm, I'm a, I don't know who I am, you know, I'm, I'm this whatever and I'm not good. And then shame causes defensiveness and it, it causes fear and, and, oh my gosh, you're going to see who I really am and I'm just going to, you know, whatever. And so shame does that. And so um, then, so shame is the driver of the engine and we do it and we, blah, 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 blah. then what happens? feel shame again. You feel shame for what you just did that shame caused you to do in the first place. Like this is dumb. This is so dumb. We have got to just get off the stinking shame crazy cycle and be like, you know what? I'm flawed, but Jesus loves me and that's just awesome. And I sinned and I'm confessing it to you. I am a broken person. Pray for me. Let's just be real with each other, guys. Let's just be real. Let's just be authentic. Let's just be who God created us to be. And more than anything, let's not be afraid to go after what God has called us to do in the first place. Do not let shame hold you back and say, how dare you try to go do that? How dare you try to go preach the word, Chad? You know, how dare you? I'm sure that that thing chased you for years. But that is not true because you've broken free from that. But it will hold you back. That's what what we do to ourselves. We want to hold ourselves back from that place of, of what God's called us to do. And your mouth is a measuring stick of what is in your heart. God is trying to tell you something. He's trying to tell you something by what you say. He's trying to show you, hey, I'm really, this is the other thing. This is, oh, I love you, Jesus. (laughs) Is that do you know that the sentence enhancers that you dropped on your husband Yes, God is sad about that. He is. But he is more sad of what was in your heart in the first place. That's what he's sad about. He's sad that you believed that lie, that you were so powerless, that you had to use that language to feel like you got your point, feel like you got your point across. You get what I'm, you getting it? Okay, okay, okay. Are we done? Okay. So if I believe that it lie that I am powerful, you know, it's going to change what I say. It's going to change, you know, we, when we one by one, we just start to, we, we use our mouth as a gauge. It's a measuring stick. We, we go, okay, yep, there's something not right there because I really, I want to complain, you know, or I want to do this. We go, okay, what's in there? What's in my heart? Okay, I'm going to confess that and I'm going to get rid of it. God, what's your truth? Tell me some truth. I need to know. I need to know what you have to say about this situation. And then we can begin to change what we say. You know, it's not enough just to change what we say. We have to change what's in our heart too. Now, there is a point where you just need to set your will to maybe just stop talking (laughs) about certain things. You know, it's like, oh, well, whatever. As soon as God changes my heart, then I'll change what I say. Okay. At some point, you just got to set your will and be like, you know what? Until I can figure it out, I'm just going to shut up. (laughs) You know, just going to like bury my face in a pillow. But we're going to get into all that because all that's in my notes. This was my introduction. (laughs) So, okay. Yeah, we're going to do this. We can do this. Okay. Okay, so God said, particularly for this body, when I pressed into the Lord and I said, okay, Lord, what do you want us to know about the power of the words that we speak? What do you want, what, what particular message do you want for this place? And the Lord said, I want to deal with complaining. And just the messenger, I didn't even know it was a thing here. I didn't. I mean, I knew my own personal struggle with complaining. But like, I didn't, okay, anyway, we'll get to that. Second thing, encouragement. He wants us to grow in the area of encouragement. And the third thing is um, sharing our testimony and sharing prophecy with one another. Places that he wants us to grow. He's kind of got his thumb on right now. And so before we do this, we had to understand this. So. Okay, Um, so let's talk about complaining for a minute. 
the definition of complaining is expressing dissatisfaction or annoyance about a state of affairs or an event. It's also stating that one is suffering from a pain or other symptom of illness. Like, that's so me. I just feel like I just need to inform people of every ailment that's in my body because they just need to be informed. Like, you just need to know how bad my back hurts, okay? Let's just talk about it from, like, beginning to end. Here's why. Here's how I'm pretty sure it's this vertebrae. And then I need to tell you five minutes later because, oh, I was reminded of it, so you need to be reminded of it as well. Am I alone? Okay. But I really, honestly, I either uh, seclude myself really well or um, I don't know what it is, but I really didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know. So I don't, uh, like, I'm not coming to you guys like, oh, God is so upset about this thing that you guys are complaining. But um, because I didn't even know it was a thing. So there's no judgment here. I'm not even talking to one particular person because I didn't know we did it. But um, particularly, God is not as, he is concerned about the complaining of of our bodies. You know, because then you're just saying out loud and coming into agreement with pain or discomfort or hurt. But he's most particularly concerned about us complaining about one another. I know. And I'm sorry. So, out out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or out of the abundance of the heart, the thumbs tweet. <laughs> See what I did there? Did you? Okay. <laughs> I dabbed. The teens got it. Nobody else. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't even have a Twitter. I know. I don't even like it. It didn't work for Facebook post. It didn't rhyme. Okay. So, all right. I was reminded of this dream that Ron Gideon had years ago. Ron Gideon was an awesome um, man who who walked into prophetic gifting and went to this church um, years ago, 10, 12 years ago. And um, he has since passed to be with the Lord. But he had this dream. And I'm going to do my best to... You get the gist. I might get the details not quite right, but you're going to understand the gist when I'm finished. So basically it was that the Lord, um, he, sh- he was shown a body, and it was our body. And we were like an army, an infantry, and we were lined up just like, just like the army does in their little formations. I don't know. Don't, I, I'm sorry. I'm trying. Front lines, and they were in lines. In ranks, and I don't know. Okay, anyway, long story short, they're in their uniform, and we were arm in arm, and we were linked together, and we were moving forward together. And on the other side came the enemy. The enemy was coming towards us, and there was this battle that we were in. And as long as we stayed arm in arm, and our eyes this way, we were moving forward and taking back the land that the enemy had stolen. And we were moving forward, and we were doing great. But then what started to happen is that people began to turn and look at each other. And instead of fighting the enemy, who was the real enemy, we began looking at each other and nitpicking and poking and prodding and criticizing and complaining. And as soon as that happened, all the ground that we had gained was lost again because the enemy, we were distracted by who the real enemy was, we were distracted thinking that each other were the enemy. And so that came up in my spirit again, and I was like, okay, so we need to talk about it. Do I need to give examples of complaining? I mean, we do. We kind of know what it is, right? (laughs) We do. But I also want to preface this by saying, I don't think the Lord is asking us to not recognize that there are problems and there needs to be growth. That's called being a problem solver, you know. But if you see a problem, complaining is seeing a problem, talking about it out loud, and then not seeking a solution. Or seeking to understand why that problem is there in the first place. 
we just go chitty chat about it, you know. Like, well, I don't know why they do life groups and they don't do a Wednesday night service. I just think that's ridiculous. Why do they even do that? That's so annoying. I can't stand life groups. It's like so intimate and it's like, eh. <laughs> I don't want anybody to really know me. <clears throat> What's this new application we have to fill out to be in ministry? <laughs> why you got to know my business like that? Can you believe that we have to take an assessment to get on the worship team? <laughs> like, that is just wrong. It is so right. <laughs> so as we learned before, complaining, we can make fun of this all day long, but I'm not going to throw shame, right? It's just funny because we all do it. Come on. Like we do. We're like, we see a problem. We're just like, eh, 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 eh. I don't know why my husband treats me this way. I'm like such a victim to his whatever. <laughs> but what we knew as from before is that if complaining is what's coming out of your mouth, what is in your heart? What is it? It's probably shame. It's, it's powerlessness. It's, you know, and it depends on what you're complaining about, really. Yeah. Like, okay, so you complain about uh, life groups. I don't like life groups. Okay, well, what's your problem? What's really in your heart? Oh, <laughs> that I don't want to be vulnerable. And I don't want people to really know me. That's what's in my heart. I'm ashamed of who I really am. And if you find out who I really am, then you're going to reject me. Therefore, I'm just going to do what feels powerful to me, and that is to complain about it out loud until you agree with me. And as soon as you agree with me, holy cow, I'm powerful again. There's something about somebody agreeing that makes you feel powerful. I was right. They're wrong. Moving on. I don't need to be vulnerable. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> so here is the problem. The problem is, is that when you complain, you're not just keeping that ugly for yourself. You're sharing it with others, right? You are, you're talking about it. First of all, you're speaking negativity into the atmosphere and you're agreeing with the enemy. You're also turning someone else and changing their mind. And that is division, it's contention, and it's, it's, it's ugly. And it's ugly. And the Lord is like, hey, guys, I love you. Stop. You're too awesome for this. There's so much more that I have for you. It's so silly. You don't need to complain about it. Like, let's just figure something else out. Go to that person and find out why, why are we, hey, why do we fill out applications now? I'm just curious. Why do we do that? And then somebody can be like, oh, well, it's because of this, 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 and this. And you can be like, okay, cool. Great. Appreciate that. Okay, Philippians 2, 14 through 16. Says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Do some things. Hmm. So that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives, of, lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then, on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Okay, so real quick, I'm going to... Oh, it's so bad. It's getting so late, and I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so... Um, do I need to share this? You guys know the story of um, Elizabeth and Zechariah, Zachar yeah, Zacharias. About okay, that, those were the parents of John the Baptist. And uh, when she um, was pregnant with John the Baptist, there was an angel that visited um, Zacharias in the temple. And he's basically like, hey, bro, even though you're old and way past childbearing years, uh, your wife is going to get pregnant and you're going to name him John. And he's like, whatever. You know, he's like, that's not even true. And so the Lord, like, 
zipped his lip for eight more months until that baby was born. He was not allowed to talk. Not allowed to talk. For eight months, he could not speak. <laughs> now, why would God do that? Why would he do that? Is it because he's trying to punish him? Because he just didn't want to hear him? Is it because Zacharias was a bad guy? No. It's because John the Baptist was probably the second most important person ever born. You know what I mean? <laughs> Besides Jesus being the first. John the Baptist's mission in life was so stinking important that God was like, Hey, dude, shut up. Don't confess negative things over this baby and over this pregnancy. Might I suggest that we are all pregnant with something. And we, the promises of God, we are pregnant with the promises of God. And we need to not speak against it. We've got we've to nurture that. There's, there's so much in us that God, you know, that we are all pregnant with. We are pregnant with our promise. And guys, we just got to shut up. You know, if you can't say anything nice. then just shut your face. Okay. Now. Okay, I'm talking to external processors right now. Okay. All right, so let me just give you some, some whatever, some back history of external processors. External processors are people who, this is all in their heart, you know, and they can't make sense of it until I just kind of talk it out. I got a problem. And I just need to process it out. And usually the first sentence that we say, because I'm an external processor, the first sentence that we say, by the time we talk about it, 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 we get to the end and we go, oh, yeah, that first thing I said, I don't even believe that. I don't even know why I said it, but I had to talk it out and figure out what it is. It really is in my heart. Okay. There are also internal processors. There are those people who just think it through. They just think, 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 think. It all makes sense right here inside their little brains. It's like a magic little thing that I don't have. <laughs> and I think it's amazing. But I ain't got it. And so, so I feel you external processors, okay? We have a tendency to complain more than the internal processors. Because the internal processors, they can think it out and they can reason it out and they can they can do 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 and they can get themselves to a place where they're just like, oh, okay, yeah, I understand. Whoops. I understand now why I need to you know, fill out that application, or I understand why I need to go to a life group, or, you know, whatever it is, that yucky stuff, whatever. They can work it all out. External processors, we just can't. Listen, we don't know what's in there until it comes out, you know? So, how many external processors? Okay. Internal processors. Okay. Are you married to the opposite? And they think you're crazy. They... I, I just, if, if nothing else comes of this, <laughs> if nothing else comes of this, I hope some unity in marriage comes from it. Because listen up, God made us this way. We got to talk it out. Just let us get it out, you know. We got to figure it out. And then we get to the end and we're like, whoa, okay, I got this now. I got it. Whew. Thank you for just like listening and just letting me just do that. Okay, so because we externally process, we have a tendency to do it, to complain. Because as we're externally processing, you know what I'm saying? We, got, we still got the yuck in our heart, and you know what I'm saying? It's, and we just, it's just more likely for us to complain, because we've got to talk about it out loud. So let me give you some pointers. Okay, so Psalm 142, 1 through 3 says, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. <sighs> and then again, there's the James 5.16, confess your sin to one another so that you may pray for one another. Listen, I just have a little tip for you. If there's this thing in your heart and you're tempted to complain and there's an offense that you have that you can't quite figure out, First, go to the Lord. Talk out loud to the Lord. Journal it. Do whatever it is that you need to do. You know, people think you're crazy. It don't matter, you know. Talk it out with the Lord. Lord, I am so upset about da-da-da-da-da, and I am like, da -da, and just talk it out with him. If you can't figure that out, go to a friend. But you've got to preface it with, 
hey, friend, I'm in sin. And I need to confess it to you and help me talk this out. you got to preface it with that. Otherwise, it's like gossip. You know what I'm saying? And I get it that sometimes, like, pray for me. Pray for me. I've got something ugly in my heart. I know it's ugly. Pray for me. I, I don't want it here any longer. And allow your friend to pray with you. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so. Ah, simple solution to a complex problem is the other thing. We're going to go to Philippians 4 through 9, and I'm just going to read it. Okay, sometimes we don't like simple solutions for complex problems. Do you know why that is? It's like, if you gave me a simple solution to a problem that's been plaguing me my entire life, like, that just means my problem wasn't valid in the first place. Because in my mind, it was a super difficult problem. If you just came along and fixed it with something easy, I'd be like, are you serious right now? I could have done that like 19 years ago, and my life would have been totally different. Like, yeah, that's what I'm telling you right now. This is not rocket science, people. It's the Bible. It's the kingdom of heaven, and it's easy. Okay, Philippians. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. It is simple. It is simple. The kingdom of heaven is not difficult. Okay, we're going to hit encouragement. We're not going to hit the last point probably tonight because we're at 5 after 12, and I know I'm super conscious about time. But oh. Okay, we're going to move on to encouragement. So who was here for Dave's message on encouragement a few weeks back? That, like, blew me away. I was like, dude, that's so good. Like, that's so good. Encouragement is one of those things that, again, been a struggle for me. I'm either super, okay, actually, it's not a struggle for me to encourage somebody that can't hurt me. It is super difficult for me to encourage somebody that can hurt me because it's being vulnerable. Encouragement takes vulnerability. I'm going to encourage you and I'm going to build you up even though you could, you could hurt me tomorrow. You know, that takes humility. That takes vulnerability. So <clears throat> encouragement is, by de definition, it is the act of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. Do we need some of that? Support, confidence, and hope? So encouragement, you know, the, the root word is courage. Do you need some courage put in you to do what God has called you to do? Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Y'all, I didn't even know that was in there. Like, I was like, are you serious right now? Like, do you mean to tell me, wait, 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 wait. You mean to tell me that being critical and harping and nagging Everyone daily will keep us out of sin. That's not what's happening. I can't, I can't criticize you into being a better person. Is that not a thing? I can't do that? Well, shoot. What am I going to do? <laughs> For real. This thing says encourage one another daily to keep you out of sin. That's so counterintuitive. You know what I'm saying? That's so counterintuitive. So 
Like, if I encourage you and tell you all these great things that you're capable of, that that will be the thing that keeps you from doing sin that isn't even related to the encouragement that I gave you? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. <clears throat> so now, listen, who struggles with encouragement? Give me a hand. Okay. So some of us are very black and white thinkers. You know, who's, who's black and white? You're either good at it or you're bad at it. You either did it or you didn't. It's either good or it's bad. It's either whatever. Okay, so black and white. So those of us with black and white thinking or high values of truth, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes encouragement we think, well, I can't tell you you're doing a good job because you're not. That's not, no, but good try. So the struggle is real. Are you okay? <clears throat> I'm ignoring. Okay, so might I suggest to you that encouragement is not lying through your teeth. Is not flattery. Okay, flattery, I have it defined somewhere in my notes. Flattery is basically like giving someone compliments, and the purpose of it is for your own. Yeah? Like, like Tina, you look so pretty today. I just, oh gosh, you're just so stinking awesome. Well, you know why I just said that? Because I want her to be my friend. And I just, I need something from her. You going to buy me ice cream after? <laughs> encouragement is not flattery. <laughs> so if our mouth is a measuring stick of what is in our heart, okay, then if, if our mouth is not encouraging, that's also a sign of what is in our heart. The absence of something is also going to indicate what is in our hearts. So if there is no encouragement coming out of your mouth, there's a really good possibility, or if there's criticalness coming out of your mouth, because that's kind of the opposite of, be, of being encouraging. There's a real good possibility that what is in your heart is discouragement. Well, I'm afraid, or I have shame, or, um, oh, oh, okay. I'm going to externally process this, so don't hold me accountable until it comes completely out of my mouth. I don't have my thought fully gathered. I'm so glad I explained that before this happened. I love you, Jesus. Thank you. So, encouragement is being willing to be vulnerable. And sometimes we don't want to be vulnerable with people because if I encourage you and I help build you up into being the person that God created you to be and you begin to discover who you really are, what if you then, in this new creation, turn back and look at me and go, ooh, you're ugly because you're not all you said you were. Huh? Yeah. Sometimes we withhold encouragement because of our own yuck. If you find out who you are in Christ, you're going to discover who I am. You're going to discover that I'm a little ugly on the inside. So I can't let you know that. I can't let you pass me up. I can't let you be all you've been created to be. And so what is that in me? Do what? Comparison? Yep, absolutely. We're comparing. It's jealousy, insecurity, powerlessness, shame. Shame builds that wall up that says, nope, I can't do it. It's not safe. It's not safe. And the other thing, and I was thinking about this. Here we go again, Christy. Okay, so I was thinking about this, and there's something about, um, there's something about being vulnerable when it comes to encouraging other people, there's something about this, um, 
Uh, oh, Jesus, help me. Bring it back to me. Um, okay. There's something about encouraging others that takes courage ourselves. Because, because when you see someone that's struggling to do something, but you see that they're really working hard at it, you know, then there's something about this thing in us that, that we struggle being vulnerable, being like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you what it is that you need. You know, I'm going to give you what you need. And, and there's a fear then. What keeps us from it is what you're like. Let's say that somebody's in sin or they're, they're hurting you. And here we are and we're like, ugh, that's ugly. And that's not safe to love. Therefore, I'm going to build up my walls and I'm going to build up my defenses and I'm going to withhold encouragement for you, from you because that is just the ugliest thing I've ever seen. You know, and we do that. Instead of being willing to be vulnerable and being like, shame off me. I am protected by the Lord. I'm going to encourage this person. I'm going to put courage into them, even though they're messy. Even though they're just a little bit ugly and even though it's a little bit unsafe. That there is a guarantee that you are going to hurt me. There is a guarantee that you are going to hurt me, but I'm going to choose not to build up my walls. I'm going to be vulnerable, and I'm going to choose to love you in that place. Like, that takes the Holy Spirit, and that takes vulnerability, and that takes freedom from shame. <clears throat> I know. Okay. Let's watch, we're going to watch this um, video again that um, Mike, thank you, that Mike did. It's, we're going to watch the rice thing again because repetition brings revelation. So we're going to watch that again. So that's really powerful. And I know that we've seen that three times, but we need to see it three times. That's really powerful. So the one who was called an idiot was in bad condition. The one who was ignored was in worse condition. And the one who was told thank you fermented and became something great. So I, w I want you to think about that in two different aspects. Is number one, you growing up. Which Petri dish of rice were you? Were you encouraged? Were you told thank you for just being on this planet? I just love being with you. Were you criticized and told horrible things? Or were you ignored? And based on that, is going to decide what's in here. You know, those Petri dishes, they represent our heart. And it's not hopeless, but it, it is where it is. And so when the Lord begins to come into our heart is when he begins to change those little things and he can turn. He can turn that mold into something beautiful, into the fermented rice. You know, but we've got to know where we are. We've got to be real. And be like, oh, my, my childhood didn't affect me at all. I'm fine. When I got saved, it all got washed off of me. Well, okay, well, how's that working for you? You know? 
you got mold in your heart, let's get it out. Let's confess it. Let's talk about it. Let's not let shame hold it in there. It is okay. We've got to break free from that. <clears throat> so, sometimes, now I want you to think about this, is you're the scientist, and the people around you are the Petri dishes. What are you doing? What are you giving to your Petri dishes of rice on a daily basis? You know, put your kids' faces on the Petri dishes. Put your spouse face. Put your people you minister to. What are we breathing into them? <coughs> hmm. Yep, self-talk. Yep. Okay. Now that we're all bummed out, there's good news coming. You ready? Because if you're like, oh, dang, I've got a moldy, nasty heart. It's just, that's what I'm full of. It's like, you just showed me this crap comes out of my mouth, and it's because of this, and I already know my childhood was terrible, and what am I going to do? Oh, my God, what am I going to do? Well, there's hope. There is hope. You know, you want that ugly out of your heart? Well, let's, let's talk about it. If it's super ugly, fill out an RTF application. <laughs> PQ, see Michelle, Prabal. If it's super ugly. But if you're like, eh, I got a little mold. need to deal with it. Okay, let's talk about it. Confess your sin so that you may be healed of it. Let's talk about it. Confess it. Get it out of there. Replace it with something new, something good, something godly, something from the Bible, something full of hope. You know? Put up 1 John 4.19. It says, we love because he first loved us. Okay? We are able to give out love because he first gave us love. So we'll say it the other way. He gave us love, therefore we can give out love. Okay, might I make a little suggestion? <clears throat> you can't give out encouragement because you can replace it. We encourage because he first encouraged us, right? Okay, so if we're having trouble giving out encouragement, is it possible that you've never actually asked God to give you some encouragement? God, do you want to encourage me today? Do you have something sweet you want to tell me? You want, you want to talk to me about something? We've, the only way we're going to get encouragement is from, from heaven, We've got to pull heaven's encouragement down and bring it out into our lives. And so make it part of your time with the Lord. Of, Lord, do you have a piece of encouragement for me today? You know, just like today when I told the Lord and I said, thank you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity to share such a weighty message that is so important to you. The Lord instantly said to me back, thank you for being willing to be vulnerable, for being willing to put it out there. And he thanked me, like, like the God of our universe, like the God of everything who created everything, thanked me for being willing to do something for him. I was like, I was so undone by that. That was so precious to me. I was like, well, you're welcome. <laughs> I feel so good. Speaking of thankfulness. Uh, let's throw up there Colossians 3, 15 through 17. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. How many times did we say thank you in that passage? Three times. Okay, so 
if you want to encourage someone, let's just start with the basics. Let's just start with how Paul encouraged people. Okay, so the Lord told me this. He said, um, Lord said, I want you to flip through all the books that Paul wrote, and I want you to see how he encouraged them. I was like, okay. So, and we're not going to put this up. I'm just going to read it to you. 1 Corinthians 1.4 says, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you. Now that you belong to Christ Jesus, through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and full of your knowledge. Like, cool, he thanked God for them, and he told them that. He was thankful for them. Okay, that's cool. So I kept flipping. Philippians 1. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I thought, he did it again. Okay, now, are there any idle words in the Bible? Okay, I'm going to talk to the teens for a minute. You know how you guys text each other and you go, hey, hey, what's up? Not much. What's up with you? Nothing. Sitting here. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, 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 uh. It's all this idle words, right? Well, it's just how I greet, how I start it. You think Paul was doing that? You think he's like, well, I'm just going to thank God for them because I don't know what else to say. <laughs> just going to put it in there. It's like, my, it's like my first century, what's up? You know what I mean? Do you think he actually, like, there's something to that? Okay, so let's just keep going then. Colossians 1, we always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. Hmm, thank you. 1 Thessalonians, we always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to our God, the Father, about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and your enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Thessalonians, dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because of your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. Are you catching the pattern here? Second Timothy, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again. It's encouragement. It's thanking. He is thanking them for their service. You know, I <clears throat> the other thing that I noticed is that he addressed identity in the other ones. First uh, Timothy says, I'm writing to you, Timothy, my true son in the faith. You're my son. Second Timothy, I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son. Titus, I'm writing to Titus, my true son in the faith that we share. It's identity. And so <clears throat> I got to thinking and I started remembering something that we learned in Love and Logic. It was a parenting class. And I remember them saying, they were talking about how when you praise your children, that, and if anyone does this, like, don't freak out. It's okay. You can always change it. But, um, but when you say things like, oh, that is such a good girl. You are such a good girl for sweeping that floor, and you're doing such a great job. You are a good girl. That that's identity connected to behavior when we say that you understand what i'm saying you're a good girl because you swept the floor well you did a great job sweeping therefore you are awesome and it cautioned us about not doing that about saying things like man when you sweep the floor it helps me so much and i am so thankful that you are willing to help mommy like that because I have a lot of chores. And when you help, it just brings me so much joy and it's such a relief. And that somehow, and you can even say things like, and I notice that you're sweeping very well. I notice that you're working very hard and that you are getting all the corners. I notice that. And I just want you to know I see it. So do you see the difference of how when we're raised with the thought that our behavior is connected to our worth, then we become works-based, and we begin to even see that with the Father. 
so that when I'm doing a good job for you, Jesus, I'm a good girl. You get that? But when I'm doing a bad job, that must mean I'm a bad girl. And that totally negates the power of the blood of Christ and our identity being rooted in who God says I am and not in what I do. So, so there's good news for those of you who are like, yeah, I don't like to encourage because I don't want to tell them they're doing a great job when they're not. <laughs> but this is the thing that God's saying is thank you and I notice. Thank you right now. Thank you, worship team. Thank you for pouring out your lives and for getting here on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock when you could sleep longer and you drag your sick kids and you, you, know, you do whatever. Thank you for pouring out your life and practicing on the side and for spending time in the Word because when you're leading worship, you're taking us someplace. And when you're taking us someplace, we're willing to follow. Thank you. And I notice that you guys are all skilled players. And I so appreciate your skill. And I'm so thankful for it. And this body is blessed because you are a part of it. And I'm in every word of that. And do you see how that's different than, man, good job. You did awesome, which, don't get me wrong, is great. Like, I love that, too. I'm not, I, I don't, because I'm so, like, a, you know, attaboy kind of person. <laughs> but do you see how that appreciation is there, whether they performed or not? Whether they did well or not? You know, it's there. And we don't have to talk about that little mistake that everybody heard. But it doesn't matter, because we're thankful, we're appreciative, you know. Those are the things that, that we can do in this body to put courage into each other. When we have courage is when we are able to step out there and share our testimony and share prophecies with one another and walk in our God-given talents and giftings. Did you know that you can be a part of building someone else up to walk in their destiny. You can participate with that. You can cooperate with God in that. And can you think about what kind of a atmosphere that would create if this is how we operated? If we were all thankful for one another. If we look past all the, you know, the little, the this and the that or the, whatever, the performing part of it, and we just said, thank you for pouring out your life because I notice it makes a difference. I see you, like that article. I see you. I see your struggle, but I see your, your triumph. I see it, and I love it. Keep going. Keep doing it. You're, you are running the race, and I am so grateful for it, and it blesses my life. Amen? Okay, so I don't have time to go into the rest because we all be in here all day. I wanted to talk about testimonies and prophecy, but that's okay. I think we got enough to chew on for now. <clears throat> think about, I don't know why this word keeps coming to me, so I'll externally process it. I just think like, You know, like, I want us to be so full of encouragement and encouraging words and so full of love that we all just want to puke. You know what I'm saying? That it's like, and we already are. We are already on our way. It's not like we're completely void of any of this. This is more of an encouraging word from the Lord that says, keep it up. Now, let me show you how to do it. Keep it going. Keep it going. And can you imagine what this atmosphere would look like? Can you imagine how we are already starting to be a body that really, really, we're all just like, you know, we're raising up a generation of radical and passionate, aggressive lovers of God. And, and in order to do that, we've got to encourage one another. 
We've got to be vulnerable with one another. We've got to be willing to build each other up, even though, even though it's like, oh, oh, it's going to take everything in me to give this person a word of encouragement. Sometimes we just have struggle and I don't know why. But if you do have struggle, look in your heart. You know, this body, this group of believers, God is so thankful for our service. He is so thankful for our hearts. He is so thankful for our leadership. He is so thankful for our leadership. And the people who pour out our lives for people, some people that don't even care that you're pouring out your life. That's how God sees us, and we get our encouragement from him, and then we pour it out onto each other. Amen? So let's just close and stand and pray and go. (laughs) Holy Spirit, we come to you with humble hearts, Lord, with vulnerable hearts. And we thank you, God, for all that you've taught us today. We thank you, God, for your sweet correction, but that there is even hope for that. And so, God, we just confess our sin of complaining and Lord, we just, we just pray that you would just show us whatever ugly is in our heart that's causing that as it pops up over time. And God, we're going to be willing to really look inside of our hearts and get that ugly out of there so we can replace it with the kingdom of heaven. And God, right now, I just, I just set my will that I'm going to be a person of encouragement, that I'm going to be somebody that is willing to partner with you that is willing to partner with you in declaring greatness over people and pulling, being a part of pulling them out of whatever slump that they're in. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be vulnerable. I'm going to do it, Lord. I'm going to encourage, and I'm setting my will, and I'm committing this to you, Lord, right now. And Lord God, I thank you that when I ask you, that God, you're going to give us all you're going to give us encouraging words on the daily. We're just going to check in with you, Lord, and you're going to speak to our hearts. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.